Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you this morning. Um, autumn has kicked in, right? So, leaves are down, mist in the air, spring is coming. <laughs> I want you to imagine you're out for a walk. It is a lovely, uh, sunny day. You're out for a walk in a park somewhere, and suddenly you hear a bang, and a bullet whizzes past your ear, and you think, that's a bit strange, but you carry on. A few minutes later, you see this large metal object falling out of the sky, lands about 100 meters away, big explosion. You're knocked off your feet, you're covered in mud, but you get up, you dust yourself down again, think, that was a little bit odd, and you carry on. A few more bullets whizzing around past your ears. Um, you walk past some craters in the ground. There's a few injured and dying people. But you carry on because you're pretty sure you're just out for a walk. Why do I share that? It seems to me that many people live life in that way, unaware that we live in a war zone, blissfully unaware of an active spiritual war that is raging around us. I believe there is a very real war between good and evil. Sort of like the Lord of the Rings, only real. <laughs> Actually real. I believe there are real evil forces at work in this world. Those forces wage against God, and they wage against humanity because I believe that every human being is made in the image and likeness of God. That means there is a God stamp on every human being. That means we're a spiritual target for evil forces, whether or not we're a follower of Jesus yet. The enemy of God, satanic and demonic forces are against humanity. Now I'm going to pause this point. You might just say, Andy, really? Like, is that stuff real? Let me tell you the first time I knowingly came, came across this kind of stuff. I was a student at Royal Holloway. Um, I'd just recently started coming to this church about a year or two in. Um, and we were involved in leading um, the Christian fellowship up at the campus there. And one Sunday afternoon, I get a phone call from a bunch of people that were a part of the Christian Union, and they said, there's this girl, she's a first year, she, she was very well adjusted, a normal girl. She said, she's come home from church, and she now cannot speak. She can barely speak, and she cannot say the name Jesus. Andy, could you come along and sort this out? So I think you, you came with me as well, Beth. And we, we went up there. Some of her friends were there. We, we, we'd been around, like, as I say, a little while. We prayed our best, best prayers, just breaking the power of like, the clouds that were over her life. She's set free and can talk again. So I believe this is real. That has been my experience. Maybe you've had the experience of inviting someone to something like a church service, and they've said yes. And then on the morning, they've called you to say that they're ill. Or maybe you've had an experience of a, a small group or in church, you've had a powerful encounter with God in the power of his Holy Spirit. And, and then a child throws up in the car on the way home. You have a fight with the spouse. and In fact, the car breaks down. I think that's a bit odd. Maybe there are times as a church when we press into things, advancing things like worship or compassion or healing, and the ground just feels contested. There are tech gremlins. There are people that are normally well that aren't well. And you kind of think, this is a good question to ask. What might be going on? 
The uh, Christian pastor and author Eugene Peterson, he writes this, There is a spiritual war in progress, an all-out moral battle. There is evil and cruelty, unhappiness and illness. There is superstition and ignorance, brutality and pain. God is in continuous and energetic battle against all of it. God is for life and against death. God is for love and against hate. God is for hope and against despair. God is for heaven and against hell. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square foot of space is contested. We're continuing our series through the book of Ephesians. We're coming to Ephesians 6. If you've got a Bible, uh, do you want to turn to that? We've been thinking around what Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, where he says, Stand firm. Stand firm. We've been thinking about how we can stand firm in a fragile, anxious, unstable world. And now I've thrown in the dynamic that it's a spiritual battle zone at the same time. And we're going to talk today about knowing our enemy. Knowing our enemy. The Apostle Paul, in the verses we're going to read, is going to lift the lid and show us the real battles that we face in life. So I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 to 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's pretty clear, right? <laughs> pretty clear. There was a Chinese military general called Sun Chu, and he wrote a book called The Art of War. He wrote it about two and a half thousand years ago. And it's a book that's had a big influence, not only on military strategy, but on business strategy since then. I've read it. It's a, not in Chinese. I've read a translation. Um, it's a helpful little book. And Sun Chu writes this. You must know your enemy before going to battle. If you know your enemy and know yourself, you will come out of 100 battles with 100 victories. 100%. If you only know yourself but not your opponent, you will win one battle and lose the next. 50%. If you do not know yourself or your enemy, you will always lose. So we're to know who we are, and we're to know our enemy. The first half of that, I'm not going to go into too much of that, because that actually has been the thrust of our series since September. The first half of Ephesians is so rich in telling us who we are when we say yes to Jesus. So here's just some things that I've pulled out. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are chosen before the creation of the world. We are redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been included in Christ. We are marked with the Holy Spirit, a guarantee of what is to come. We have been made alive with Christ. We are seated and raised in heavenly realms. We have been brought into a brand new humanity through the work of Jesus Christ. I could go on. Bottom line, we are loved. 
we are loved. I love one of the opening lines of the whole book where Paul writes, grace and peace. That's one of my personal mantras right now. I'm praying it for everyone I can pray it for. We receive grace and peace because of what Jesus has done. This, friends, is who you are. You're loved and you're the recipient of grace and peace. At this point, you should be going, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Know who you are. And secondly, know your enemy. That's what we're going to take a little bit more time. In the sporting arena, teams employ analysts. And they spend hours of time, days ahead of sporting fixtures, analyzing their next opponent. Their strengths, their weaknesses, how far they run, how fast they run, where they are on the pitch. They spot tactics. They're looking at how they are going to win. Then we're to know our enemy. And this is part of what Paul is writing to us. And there's a couple of things that the Apostle Paul tells us. First thing, he tells us that our primary battle is spiritual. It's not against flesh and blood. It is a spiritual battle. I believe the Bible is really clear. There are dark powers and evil forces at work in our world. In Paul's letter to Timothy, he talks about deceiving spirits and demons being at work. There are references through the New Testament. I'll put some up on the screen here. References to fallen angels, fallen spiritual beings that fell from grace. There is, in the text we've read today, a variety of evil forces under a unified head, under Satan or the devil. Interestingly, Jesus doesn't give us a nice, clear demonology. There is not a text you can go to and say, that is Jesus' ology on demons. What Jesus does do, in the power and authority of God, he casts demons out and sets people free. That's what Jesus does. And that's what he says disciples to go and do the same. Sends us out to do exactly the same. So that's the first thing. Our primary battle is spiritual. Second thing that Paul tells us is that our enemy is a schemer. He's a schemer. The evil, dark forces in this world are plotting against God. They scheme. They plot against human beings. They plot against you and me. Now, Jesus does give us some insight into the kind of schemes that they employ. And you'll find a couple of texts in John's Gospel that I'll read for us now. So John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says this, uh, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, so he wants to take life. Not he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that is one of the schemes. And then in John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So these are just a bit of insight into the schemes that the enemy deploys. The enemy wants to sow lies about who we are. So do you remember that list of verses that I read out from the first couple of chapters of Ephesians? The enemy wants to undermine the truth of who we are in Christ. And he does that by sowing lies. He tells half-truths. 
He amplifies doubt and fear. And one of the primary battlegrounds in life is up here. That is why the New Testament tells us that we need to have our minds renewed. It's why Jesus says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. It's because the primary battleground is here. The enemy is a thief. He does not want you to be peaceful. He wants to steal that from you. He wants to steal our worship. Our worship should only go to God. He will want to put other things in our life which distract and deflect our worship. It's what the Bible calls idolatry, just a deflection of worship. He wants to put other things at the center of our lives. Did you notice in that verse in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you abundant life. The enemy wants to rob us of that because he's a thief. He wants to kill our joy, to kill our faith and trust in God. He wants wants to destroy our efforts to be a good husband or a wife. Did you know that? The, the, The devil does not want you to have a happy marriage. He doesn't want you to have happy friendships. He doesn't want you to be a good parent. He wants to rob you of those kind of things. He is a liar and a thief, and he does not play fair. Now, let me be clear at this point. I also, at the same time, do not believe that every trouble that we have in life comes from spiritual attack. Sometimes we just make really stupid choices. Or they might not be knowingly stupid, but they weren't necessarily the best things for us. Sometimes things like that happen because of the choices that we make. Sometimes it's on us. And we just need to hold up our hands and say, my bad, (laughs) that's on me. But sometimes we give the devil more credit than he's due. But sometimes we're unaware or we forget that we're in a war zone. Like walking through the park and a bit sort of perplexed, like why has that bullet whistled past my head? We forget the reality of the world that we live in. And so we need the wisdom and the discernment of the Holy Spirit. What is going on in this situation? So how can we stand firm? That's the question we've been asking through this series. How can we stand firm in a spiritual war zone? I I love these verses. The Apostle Paul is so helpful to us. Um, And let me just share a few things and then we'll pray. The first thing that Paul reminds us, you see it in verse 10. He says, stand firm in the Lord's strength. Stand firm in the Lord's strength. In other words, Not our own strength, but his strength. In his mighty power. Stand firm in his mighty power. If you're ever tempted to think that you can take on the devil on your own, could I, as your pastor, encourage you to think again? Don't try and do it on your own. We stand firm in the mighty strength of the Lord. We're not strong enough but I am utterly convinced that he is. So we find ourselves in him. And so in talking about our battle against evil spirits, the apostle John writes that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So be wise. Be in him. In his mighty strength. You see, it seems to me that as we think about the spiritual battle zone that we live our lives in, good news, and I hope this isn't a spoiler for you, Jesus wins. Jesus has won the war. That was worth an amen. (laughs) 
Jesus has won the war. There are a lot of skirmishes and battles, but Jesus wins. Jesus has won. And so we can stand firm in the strength of the Lord. And it seems to me this is one of the wonders of prayer. We pray for God's strength. We pray for unity as a family of believers. We pray for those who lead us. We pray. Pray for the people sat next to you this morning. Pray for one another because prayer anchors us in the mighty strength of the Lord. It's the first thing. The second thing, Paul says, stand firm in your armor. Stand firm in your armor. Now, I am not going to steal the thunder from next Sunday's talk. And Kim here is very relieved. We're going to unpack the second half of Ephesians 6. Beautiful text that Paul writes. All I'm going to say at this point is that the Lord has given us the right armor for the battle that we face. And that is so kind, isn't it? That is how God treats us. Third thing, Paul just says, stand firm. Stand firm. Take your stand. Do you, do you remember back at the beginning of this series, if you're around on Vision Sunday, I actually brought my cricket bat and tennis racket to church and just made the point that in the sporting arena, your footwork is everything. It's absolutely everything. You, you know, if your feet are in the right place, you stand a way better chance of playing a good tennis shot or you know, playing cricket. It's all about the footwork. In warfare... Feet are incredibly important. You think about you know, a sword fight. If you're not stable on your feet, you're not going to fight well. You think about World War I and World War II. In the trenches, looking after the feet was incredibly important. You know, you know, so much water and all of that. Looking after the feet was a high priority. Why? Because you can't fight unless you're standing properly. And that is some of the point that Paul is making. That's why we've kind of pressed this language of standing firm. And we've pressed these two things during this series, to stand firm on Scripture and on our connection with one another. And we just sensed that from the Lord as we were preparing for this series, standing on Scripture and standing firm in our connection with one another. As a quick aside... I've been part of the Vineyard Theological Training course this past few weeks. Emilio has been um, leading that. In my opinion, it's really good. Really, really good. New module starts in January. If you want to deepen your biblical and theological understanding and foundation, look out for the details and join us um, in January for the next one because it is really, really good. That was the third thing. Fourth thing I'm going to share very briefly, and then we will pray. As we face spiritual battles in life, remember that Jesus is praying for you. Remember that he's praying for you. Let me read a couple of texts, and I'll share a couple of quotes as well. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, writes this. Jesus is interceding for us. That is really good news. Really good news. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says much the same. Jesus always lives to intercede for us. Always lives to intercede for us. Why is this so important and so encouraging? Let me share a couple of things. I love this was a quote from a 19th century Scottish minister called Robert Murray McChain. And he wrote this. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room... I would not fear a million enemies. Yep. 
I wouldn't fear. If I knew that, I wouldn't fear. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. He is praying for you. So we don't need to fear. And I'm going to close with this. John Wimber, the founding pastor of the Vineyard Family of Churches, put it like this. The good news is that Jesus is praying for you. The bad news is that you're going to need it. Amen.